Amen. So um, before we get into the word, uh, I just want to recognize quickly that tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Amen. Come on, come on, come on, somebody. What I love about this house is that we are a house of nations. Amen. That we, we hold the heart of Martin Luther King Jr. here, even as he held the heart of Jesus. Yeah? And we're proud of his fight. We're proud of what he stood for. We're, we're proud of his labor to bring equality to our nation. Yes? And uh, I, I was looking on just on the platform this morning. This, on our platform this morning, we had, uh, we had Filipino, we had India. We had the Philippines, we had India, we had Africa, we had Sweden and Ireland. We had nations on the platform this morning. Amen? All around this building this morning. And what we want to continue to do is intentionally develop within us a heart that honors, that loves, that esteems, that builds up. That our heart, a heart that goes out of its way intentionally to be gracious and to be kind. Amen? How come you're not shouting now? Come on, I know this is your heart. I know this is what you want. Yes? I want to give you some of his quotes, some quotes from him before we get into the word and pray over the word. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Faith is taking this first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. The time is always right to do what is right. Amen? So, Father, we just ask right now that the richness, the richness of Jesus, that he broke down a dividing wall. Paul tells us clearly in Ephesians 2 that Jesus broke down the dividing wall that kept us from one another, kept us competing, it kept us fighting, it kept us in animosity, it kept us in jealousy and envy, it kept us in comparison, but Jesus broke down that wall and made us to be at peace with one another, Gentile with Jew, Gentile to Gentile. And we welcome the peace that comes from Jesus. We welcome the wisdom from above that is peaceable, that is merciful, that is gentle, that is willing to yield, that is sown in peace by those who make peace. And we welcome the diversity 
that you've sown into humanity in this house, in this family, and with these people. We say, do it more here. Do it in a greater way here. Do it purposefully and intentionally through us, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand this morning. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, I was moved this morning just to just to say that if you are if you are distant from the Lord in any way, um, so th- this is feeling a lot like an old country buffet service right now. Uh, I don't know. It's like we're throwing in the whole kitchen sink. Uh, every single item is on the table or something, but. But uh, if you, I, I did feel this this morning, that if you're distant from the Lord in any way or just unsure of your relationship with Him, uh, before we even get into the Word, I want to just pray and invite you to, to just pray a, a quiet prayer, not a silent prayer, but a quiet prayer, um, and just invite the Holy Spirit to make good the salvation that is yours through God and apply that to you this morning. Amen? Romans 8 through 10 of chapter 10, chapter 10 says that the word of faith, this word of faith that we preach, that it's near us, it's in our mouth and in our heart. In other words, we process it out of our own sovereignty by agreeing in our heart and then bringing that agreement through our own lips. Verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, as Lord of your life, as the Supreme One, if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, He raised Him from the dead on your behalf, that, you, that He would represent you before the Father, then you shall be saved or transferred out of darkness and into light. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, right standing with God. And with the mouth he confesses or agrees with what Jesus has done, and it results in salvation. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just real quickly before we preach the Word this morning. If that's you, if your heart is just saying, I, I want to be right with God, I, I want to turn my heart toward Him in faith, then I want to just encourage you to pray this prayer with me, after me, and with the congregation. And just turn your heart toward God. Recognize that Jesus represents you, that He is your high priest. When He went to the cross, He took the penalty of your sin in His own body. It's your only way out of guilt and shame and sin, death, hell, and the grave is through what He's done. And if that's your if that's your desire this morning, your desire this morning is to trust in Him, to, to welcome what He's done, to be applied to your heart, to your life, to your soul, then I want you to pray this with me together with the whole congregation. Say, Father, I welcome you today to make me a new creation, to receive me as your child by applying the work of Jesus the sacrifice of Jesus, the saving, redeeming ministry of Jesus to my heart. I believe in my heart right now 
that he represents me before you and that he's worthy to be my Lord, my King, the master of my life. And I confess with my mouth, this is my sovereign desire, to know you and to serve you and to be your child. In Jesus' name, I declare this. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give the Lord another thank offering. I want to talk again a little bit this week about uh, things that aren't automatic in the Lord. Last week we talked about some things that uh, weren't automatic in the Lord. And I wanted to go there again this week. Last week we talked about how fellowship is not automatic. Any more than fellowship with your spouse or with someone else who is close to you, near to you, dear to you. Even though you might have a legal relationship. And I feel sometimes in religion that we, we have a legal relationship with God through saving prayer, through salvation, through what we just prayed. There's literally a covenant that is established with God through Jesus. That's what the blood represents. The shedding of His blood, the sacrifice of His blood, represents the sealing of a covenant not only between Jesus and God, but between us and God because we're hidden in Jesus. So we have this covenant relationship, which is like a legal relationship. But then sometimes we allow the relationship to get distant, even as we do in our own marriages. And so there has to be a rekindling of that relationship constantly, 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 we're telling one another we love one another, and we're fellowshipping. We used the word last week, fellowship, out of the Greek. And the word fellowship, repeated several times in the New Testament, is the word koinonia. You've heard the word, koinonia. And there's four meanings that come out of that Greek word koinonia. It's much deeper than the potluck supper fellowship or the Seahawk game fellowship that we're used to, where we bump one another's elbows we're standing in front of a television. We hang out for a few minutes, share a coffee, a popcorn. We walk out the door. But there's not a depth. So we talked about how that there's four things that are a part of koinonia that are deeper than that kind of fellowship. And, and that's not an automatic deal. It's the thing that we have to stir up. It's the thing we have to lean into. It's the thing that we have to constantly rekindle as an act of our desire, an act of our will that we want to be close to God. Yes, we're legally now connected to Him. Yes, we can't get any closer legally. We can't get any closer in covenant through the blood of Jesus, but we can cultivate a deeper closeness out of fellowship. So this week I wanted to talk about the importance of the power of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, and I want to talk about it because what the Holy Spirit, what God has for us, again, in something beyond salvation, uh, the subtitle to my graphic this morning, Extra Effort Required to Reach the Summit. Salvation is just the beginning of what God has for you. It's not the end. It's just the beginning. 
Forgiveness is not the end. It's just the beginning. Yeah? There's more for us, and, and the Bible detects, depicts this, this pressing in for more in its stories and its scriptures, and it's there for us to see that as we have spiritual hunger and spiritual desire that is alive within us, that we press in, that we push in, that we, that we, that we set our heart to capture the fullness of what God has for us. This is illustrated time and time again as something that is subsequent to salvation, something that is even beyond salvation, something that is a more, something that is an added, something that is additional. And so I want to encourage you that you are posturing your heart toward this that is available to you that the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls it the promise of the Father. The Bible calls it the upon anointing. The Bible calls it the infilling. The Bible calls it the outpouring. That's a lot of words. I believe it's one of the things that we should be running after, a thing that is desired, a thing, uh, and I'm using the word thing, but the word thing is such a, a poor word to define this that I'm talking about. But the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon us is something that, that we should desire, tarry for, wait for, yearn for, desire, run after. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Let's go there, first of all. I want to read this because Jesus twice, according to Luke, uses the word terry. Now, terry is not a real super common word this day and age, but I'm using that word on purpose or using that translation on purpose because it carries the flavor, it carries the feel that I want you to get when you think about something that is available to you, but maybe you haven't laid hold of it yet. If something is available to you through salvation, salvation is the open door to acquire it, but you haven't laid hold of it yet, then you might continue to pursue. You might continue to wait. You might continue to look forward. You might continue. And this word, tarry, that Jesus uses in Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1 is a great word to define maybe an attitude of, of kind of hanging on attitudinally and in prayer until you lay hold of that which is available. Again, it's available to you because you are a son or a daughter of God. Any sons or daughters of God in the house this morning? Luke chapter 24, this is right at the end of his 40 days with them. So it's interesting. There's about a 10-day period that was lost uh, from the resurrection or from, from his death uh, until the resurrection, there's about 10 days that was lost uh, in terms of time. But then the Bible talks about a 40-day period where he spent 40 days actually with them, teaching them about the kingdom and opening their eyes. And taking the, the former three, three and a half years that he had been with them and really 
causing them to see what it was that he was saying and what he was doing. And he began, or he inaugurates that period by breathing on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. We find that in John 20. In John 20, 20 through 22, it says he breathed on them. He showed them his hands. He showed them his side. Thomas was a bit unbelieving. He's with them. He breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. It was like, it was like a Genesis 1 moment where he, as the, as, as the Creator, breathes on them the Ruah of God, and they are made alive in their spirits just as Adam was in the beginning. The word breath, the word breathe, he breathes on them the Ruah of God. So it's like a recreation act. And these guys come alive in their spirit. These are the disciples. This happens, and then he spends 40 days explaining the kingdom to them, and their hearts are burning with revelation as they understand what it was all about, why he came, and what he came to do. He's explaining all this to them. Luke is the writer of both the book of Luke and the book of Acts. We know he's a physician. He's well-educated. Luke 24, and I want to pick it up there. Then he said to them, This is Jesus. Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and that remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass that while he blessed them, that he was, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continuously in the temple praising and blessing God and saying, Amen. Now, I want you to capture the idea. Coming into the 40 days of being with them, he breathes on them. They're regenerated, born of the Spirit. They begin to understand that he, everything that he's said. He explains to them Matthew 28, 18 and 19. He gives them Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Behold, all power has been given unto me. Go, therefore, and preach the gospel to every nation. So he gives them the go mandate, Matthew 28, 18 and 19. But he's telling them now, these are his final words, he's telling them, don't go yet. Isn't that crazy? He's told them to go, but now he tells them, don't go yet. He says, don't go. I've given you the assignment. I've explained everything to you. I've made it clear as day. The spirit of revelation has come upon you when I breathed upon you. You've been regenerated in your spirit, but do not go and try to do what it is I've told you to do. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You'll cast out spirits. You'll heal the sick. He's declaring these things over them in Matthew 28, 18 and 19, Mark 16, 15 and following. He's declaring these things over them, but he says, don't go yet. Tarry in the city. Tarry until you are endued with power from on high. 
I'm presenting to you this idea that power, the outpouring of the Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Spirit, as it were, the upon anointing. The Bible talks about this consistently as the upon anointing is not automatic. It is a subsequent grace that's available to us that we should pursue, that we should desire. And until we receive that, that we should have a tarry mindset. We should tarry. Tarry means to linger. It means to pursue. It means to run after, but yet wait. It means to yearn for. It means to desire. It means to pray. It means to petition. It means to request in this instance, but it also means to wait. So they, they go into Jerusalem, and, and they begin this prayer meeting, right? So they've got this prayer meeting going on, and this prayer meeting goes on for several days. The prayer was answered on the day of what? The day of Pentecost, right? The prayer was answered on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is interesting because Pentecost, we've talked about this before, Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. That's why Pente. Pente is the Greek word for 50. It's 50 days after Pentecost that the Holy Spirit falls on them that have gathered. Now, there were 12 that he breathed on. There were 500 that watched him ascend right here in Luke chapter 24. But there's 120 who follow the directions. There's 120 who continue to get together. They continue to pray. They continue to tarry. And you can just kind of feel them elbowing one another. Yeah, but we should go out to Caesarea. And yeah, we should get out here and we should, we should do what he said. And we should get out and we should start sharing. And we should, we should well, you know, and, and we're losing time. We're wasting time. And don't you know we should start maybe even a, a house meeting. And, and maybe we should start laying hands on people. And, and maybe we should start and they're kind of elbowing one another. We should, and there's some that are more anxious than others, but others are reminding them during this whole prayer meeting period, no, remember he said, Terry, until we are endued with power from on high. Terry, continue to seek, continue to pursue, continue to persevere, continue to pray, continue to petition, continue to believe that there is for you a power experience, an outpouring experience, a richer experience that salvation has opened the door for you, and it's not automatic, it's subsequent, and it's something that as you continue to tarry, desire, pursue, and wait for, the Holy Spirit will meet you. Has he met any of you in this way? That was a sincere question. You can raise your hand if he's met you in this way. We're a Pentecostal church. What's a Pentecostal church means? It means we celebrate what God did on the 50th day after Passover. God started the church in a supernatural way. They didn't start their supernatural ministry until the upon anointing, until the power was distributed upon the believers. When the power was distributed, it was a parallel to when Jesus started his ministry. Jesus was a son. Nobody knew the Father better. Jesus was sinless. He knew the Father. He had daily communion. 
But he also had an upon anointing experience. He had a subsequent experience. And we see it in the baptism, right? We see it in the baptism, the water baptism. When he was baptized in water, the Holy Spirit came upon him as a dove, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this upon anointing experience, a subsequent, a extra experience was given to Jesus that he might also be a model for us. That when we come in through salvation, we come in through forgiveness, we come in through what God has done through Jesus, we're born of the Spirit, we receive insight, revelation, and understanding, there's still more for us to press into. Extra effort is required to reach our pinnacle. So on the 50th day, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the 50th day. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Here's the same writer. This is the book of Luke, uh, the writer Luke, excuse me, in Acts chapter 1. The former account, Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, after through the Holy Spirit he had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, whom he also presented himself alive after suffering by any, many infallible proofs, being seen by them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He's writing this to his friend Theophilus. He's kind of giving us a little summation. And being assembled together with them, this Jesus, he commanded them, not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Where did this promise come from? Remember, the promise came from Joel, the prophet Joel. And Peter's going to tell us that in just a few moments in chapter 2. Peter's going to tell us about this promise. We know that in the Old Testament, only the prophets, the priests, and the kings had this upon anointing experience where there would be a flask of oil poured out on them. The Holy Spirit would descend upon them like a dove. They would receive an upon anointing, and they would have supernatural grace, supernatural power, supernatural abilities given to them. Believe it or not, that's the normal life for you. God wants you to have supernatural grace, ability, and power. Coming into this walk with Jesus is not just about forgiveness. It's not just about eternal life. It's about living a life that is so graced by God that you are as the anointed one. The word Christ is not his last name. Remember, it is the anointed one. The Yeshua HaMashiach, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who's anointed, the one who has received the outpouring of the oil. And now you are a Christian. You bear his name. You are one who is anointed of God. You've received, or God has ordained that you would receive fully the anointing of oil. This is the normal Christian life. That when you encounter a, a trouble, a struggle, a difficulty, that you would have this upon anointing in your life, upon you, and so you could speak to that storm and calm it. You could speak to that cancer and quench it. You could speak to that problem and dispel it. 
that you would have active in your life what Paul calls what comes through the promise of the Father, the outpouring of the Spirit, that you would have active in your life the nine supernatural manifestations, the gifts of the Spirit. This is normal for you, but extra efforts required. Extra effort for you to tarry, for you to push, for you to press, for you to desire, for you to petition, for you to request of God. And then Jesus tells us, if you request this of the Lord, will he give you something else? Should you fear? Should you fear that he would give you a snake? Should you fear that he would give you a stone? Should you fear that you would? No, that if you request this anointing, if you desire this anointing, then you will receive this anointing. That's a safety assurance. That's a safety assurance. You don't have to fear. Will something else come my way? Will will God turn me into some kind of a weirdo? No, it's not going to happen. You were already weird. He's preserving you, saving you from it. You're being delivered from weird at this moment. So he tells them, Do not depart from Jerusalem. Again, Luke is reiterating. He's repeating what he already said in the book of Luke. But wait for the promise of the Father, which you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they came together, they had asked him, Lord, at this time, will you receive the kingdom? Uh, where you restored the kingdom to Israel. And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the fathers put under his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power. And again, this flows. This is the promise. This is the fulfillment of what Joel had told us in Luke chapter Uh, I'm sorry, in Joel chapter 2. Let's read Acts chapter 2 about when this actually happened. Everybody okay? Everybody say, Terry. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting... And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance or ability. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Why were they there, by the way? They had all come from every nation. They had all come for Passover. This was normal. They would come for Passover. They had all come to Jerusalem. And as they came to Jerusalem for Passover, at the same moment that the Lamb was being sacrificed in the temple, Jesus, the perfect Lamb, was being sacrificed on Golgotha. As they celebrated unleavened bread, the unleavened one, the sinless one, was triumphing over Satan in the grave at that very moment. As they celebrated first fruits, Jesus, the triumphant one, was coming out of the grave. This was all happening in their midst as a prophetic sign that the Messiah had come, that the picture of him in the feast was now being fulfilled, and they would linger, they would stay 
for 50 days after Passover for Pentecost. They would stay. And so there's... They're in town, and they're sta- they've filled up every motel. They've filled up every hotel. They've filled up, uh, they're staying with all the relatives, every side room and bedroom and, and, and RV is filled up with people. And so God does this in this beautiful timing, right? And so the day of Pentecost came. And guess what the day of Pentecost was, by the way? The day of Pentecost was the celebration of the giving of the law. This goes all the way back to the Passover, that on the 50th day, the day of Pentecost, this is the day that the law was given. So they came out of Egypt. They had the Passover. They've got unleavened bread. They've got first fruits. And then 50 days after the Passover, Moses is on top of Sinai. God meets with him, the mountain shakes. God himself meets with him and gives him the law and gives him the pattern to the tabernacle. The voice of God is resounding over the mountain. There's fire and thunder. And when Moses comes down, he has to put a veil over his face because the glory of God is on him. This is a picture of that. On the 50th day, the Holy Spirit comes upon 120 believers who are praying. He comes upon them with power. He comes on them with fire. He comes on them with expressions of grace. He comes upon them with an outpouring of His Spirit in a way that's unquenchable. And when they come out, when they pour out of this room, they all appear to be drunk. Symbolic of the new wine. Remember Jesus said, the, the new wine can't go in the old wineskins because it will break them. It has to go into a new wineskin of a new people that are called out of God. And so the new wine is poured into these wineskins, and that's why a little new wine is good for you. There's so much powerful symbolism in this. And, and God, there's a distinction here. There's a clear distinction in this typology for you to see that there's more for you and God. There's more to press into. There's more that belongs to you. There's more that God wants to pour out upon your life. And if you've not experienced this, if you've not tasted of this, if you've not, if you've not dabbled in this, that sounds funny. Come on, we want to be holy dabblers. We want, to be, we want to be those who experiment. We want to be in the laboratory of the Spirit. We want, we want to do experiments in the Spirit. God, you said there's more for me. You, you said there's more for me. I, I, a little extra effort of pressing in, of pushing in, will actually release more into my life. That's what I want. Because in Ephesians 5, the Holy Spirit says through Paul, continue to be filled with the Spirit. Continue to press in. Continue to go after the new wine. Continue to be drunk, not with wine that is earthly, but be drunk with the wine that is of the Spirit, as you are a new vessel, as a fresh vessel of one who's come to God through Christ. You open up your heart, you open up your life, and you say, yes, Lord, I want more of you. Pour into me more of that which is the infilling, the outpouring of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I want you to see the subsequent uh, couple verses that just, again, show you the subsequent uh, progression, if that's all right, and then we'll close today. This is some of my favorite stuff. 
uh, I do want to encourage you that, uh, that as we launch the prophetic ministry training class Monday night, I just said, hey, if some of you are hungry for uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, the outpouring of the Spirit, if some of you are hungry for that, then I uh, invite you to sign up. And uh, we'll do a gathering. We'll just have a gathering and, and uh, explain some of this and, and lead you into this experience. Uh, so if that's you this morning, as you exit and as we close, uh, I've, got a, uh, I've got a way for you to sign up right there at the prayer kiosk. There's a big sign that says prayer. Uh, I've got a way for you to sign up. You just say, Pastor, I want to be a part of that. I want to hear about that. I want to open up my heart to that. I, I want to know what it is to pursue that, to run after that. And uh, a little extra effort's required, but you're going to reach a pinnacle you haven't reached. Is that all right? So uh, subsequent outpourings, I want to give those to you, and I want the band to come and help us prepare to close. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and starting at verse 14. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of the Lord, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a distinction here. You have to see this distinction. It's not that they hadn't received the Holy Spirit to quicken their spirit. It's not that they hadn't received the Holy Spirit unto salvation. It's not that they hadn't received the Holy Spirit in that they had become alive of the Spirit. That's John 3, 3 through 5. They had not yet received in Samaria the upon anointing that comes with power wherein the recipient receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the activation of the nine supernatural gifts of the Spirit, where all at once you can prophesy. All at once you have a word of knowledge for somebody. All at once you have a word of wisdom for somebody. All at once you've got faith for their healing, or you've got the ministry of healing working through you. All, all at once you discern spirits. And so you can tell, oh, Wow, I think I think I'm dealing with this spirit right now. So they hadn't received that. So Peter and John went down, laid hands on them, prayed for them, and the Holy Spirit fell on them that they would receive this upon anointing. Acts chapter nine, it happened with Saul who became Paul. How many of you think that's important? Acts chapter 9, verse 17, Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road which you were coming, has sent me that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It happened in Acts chapter 10. It happened in Acts chapter 19. It happens simultaneously, time after time again. Stand with me this morning.
It's talking about pressing in, extra effort, pressing in. The biographies of Christian leaders such as Dwight L. Moody, John Bunyan, Amy Carmichael, Charles Finney, Oswald Chambers, Hudson Taylor, Andrew Murray, so many more, even Billy Graham Church. Those biographies discuss, reveal, expose that their lives were changed by receiving an infilling of the Holy Spirit after conversion. In the words of Oswell Chambers, before the Spirit came upon him, he said, God used me during those years, but I didn't have a conscious communion with him. The Bible seemed dull, and yet God was using me. But he writes in the later years that these five years since I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit have truly been heaven on earth. Glory to God, the aching abyss of the human heart is meant to be filled to overflowing with the love of God. I don't know if you've read about it, but early in Billy Graham's ministry, a Welsh evangelist told Mr. Graham how God completely turned his life around by the power of the Holy Spirit in a subsequent experience. So Billy Graham realized that he needed this same power and spent three days in fasting and prayer, seeking this baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was that upon anointing that revolutionized his ministry. There's countless other examples. Puritans like John Owen speak of the unspeakable raptures of the mind and light beyond the light of ordinary faith after they received this work of the Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is seen consistent in the biographies of George Whitfield, David Brainerd, Jonathan Wesley, A.W. Tozer, Adrian Rogers, and many more. We could go on and on about history past, but really the question is about you today, that you would touch your generation, that you would be the power of God in your generation, that you would not just bear the name Christian, which means anointed one, but you literally would not settle for anything less than living the anointed life. Heads bowed, eyes closed all across the auditorium. I want to appeal to your heart this morning. That if you are not sure, if you are not sure that you are living this anointed life, that you have this expression of power within you, that you feel the Holy Spirit bubbling up, John says, concerning the Holy Spirit, He will bubble up out of you and it will be like a river of living water. If, if you're not sure that that's your experience, please, 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 please embrace the word Terry. The word Terry means press, push, believe, pray, petition, pursue, run after, desire, and don't give up until this is your experience. Until this extra effort actually yields the fruit of the outpouring in your life to where you can actually look and see that there's a tangible difference about you. This is what God desires. 
Paul says that there will be those who have a form of religion but deny the power of God. And he says, avoid such men. Avoid such men. Linger, spend time with, hang out with, cultivate relationships with those who embrace the power of the Holy Spirit as the norm for living. It is the norm for the Christian life. For the word Christian itself means anointed one. Cultivate this in your life. Tarry and push and press. And those of you that have received this as an initial experience in God, continue to be filled. Ephesians 5.18, never settled for a wineless life. The wine we desire is of the Spirit, so continue to push and press and desire. Continue to stir and activate your heart so that your heart, your life is filled overflowing with the fullness of the Spirit. Yes? We're going to close this morning. I'm going to ask some of the prayer team to come quickly and just prepare to pray with you if you're here giving your life back to the Lord. If you prayed that prayer with meaning right before we started the sermon, if you're here wanting more of God, I invite you to tarry. I invite you to linger. I invite you to press. I invite you... The Lord loves it. The Lord loves it. When you posture your heart for more of Him, He is so excited about those who run after Him. Hebrews 1, Hebrews 11, and verse 1 declares that He is the rewarder of those who diligently pursue Him. Lord, we say yes to you. We say yes to you. We say yes to your anointing. We say yes to an overflowing life of grace. We say yes to the gifts of the Spirit and the outpouring. We say yes to the promise of the Father that's been promised to us out of Joel chapter 2, fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, but now fulfilled in our own lives. We ask for tongues of fire. We ask for an outpouring of your spirit we ask you for you to meet us even as you shook the mountain that you would shake the mountain of our heart even as you appeared in fire on the mountain that you would appear upon the mountain of our heart appear with fire that you would baptize us new and afresh that we would be a baptized people that we would be a baptized people that we would settle for nothing less Let's respond to him as we close this morning.